Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. There'd be a lot of poop in my hands. <laughs> <laughs> seen a six-foot alligator go swinging through the air and slam into a tree. These guys are the scientists of the supernatural. Lecturers leaving lessons for inquiring laymen. They are applying the scientific method to a world that baffles science. They are the cryptids of the corn. But who else has big black wings and red eyes? Um, Batman. Oh, Mothman. Oh, yeah, Mothman. A great white shark was stolen. Oh, someone stole a shark? I got stuff for you you don't even know about. She's a witch. She turned me into a newt. Who knows? Anything could be possible. Anything could be possible. It's really big. Mm-hmm. Abduction vibes. Holy moly. It sounds like you were abducted. Man, it just stood up. I mean, it just like kept going and going. And she goes, what the... Hello, hello, and welcome back to Crimson of the Corn Podcast. I am the great and powerful mystery. And I am the coffee-needing and enjoying right now, Jay. And it is incredibly early this morning. This is the earliest we've ever recorded an episode. I believe so, yes. This breaks uh, a new record. Yeah, it definitely does. Uh, but today we have a very, very special guest for you. This person has encountered a creature. This is one of the few ones I'd really want to see in my lifetime. Like, in person up close, and some of the best video evidence for this creature's existence. Mm-hmm. Uh, they are from very, very far away from northwest Ohio. Yeah, I'd say so, just a little bit. But it's probably about the same. Probably the same temperature, everything like that. You know, I'm sure they get ice and stuff like that in, in Australia. Just, yeah, just a different latitude. <laughs> All right. Please welcome our guest, Ash. Hello, Ash. Hello, everybody. I was worried it cut off there for a second. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry about that. Hello. How are you? Oh, we're living the dream. Every day. Yep. Uh, first, I want to start off by saying thank you for thinking of us to share this story. Uh, it's very special to us that people trust us with this stuff and want to talk to us about it. And you have a very, very awesome encounter uh, with a lot of video evidence, which you don't get a lot. Not very often. <laughs> I mean, Not of this. Yeah. And then this is a, a very near and dear cryptid to our heart or cryptid creature, whatever 
whatever you want to call it. I you know I think it's cryptid. I mean by the t- technical definition, right? It, by that it is, but it might just be a common uh, creature one day. Yeah, it will be. But Ash, if you'd be so kind, you can tell us a little bit about yourself if you'd like, and then we can get into your encounter. Uh, awesome. Well, thanks again for contacting me back, guys. And um, my name's Ash, and I live in New South Wales, Australia. And this year I saw something in the sky that I can't explain and managed to get a bunch of videos, which are apparently really good evidence. So I don't really know where to – I guess I'll – do I just, like, launch into the story? Or? Yes, please. And then we'll just kind of – we'll let you talk, and then we'll kind of just discuss it together after. Beautiful. Okay, well – Pretty much I came home from work, I drove up to my back gate, um, um, to my front gate, sorry, and I looked out past my back gate. I live on 15 acres and I have sort of a, a yard and then behind it is some grassy area, about 15 acres, and then up the back is a tree line. And I sort of just pulled up on my gate, looked way up the back of the tree line, which is probably approximately 400 metres um, maybe 300 meters or something like that, approximately away. And I saw what looked like a, an aeroplane coming directly towards me with a very, very bright headlight. That's what I thought at first. And I just watched it for a moment and it kind of looked like it was slightly oblong in shape and slanted to a 45 degree angle. And so my brain in the initial seconds thought it's a very bright banking plane that's reflecting in the sky. The sun was setting behind it. And so I was just kind of waiting for it to bank around to the left. And it didn't. Hmm. And it didn't. And so I've opened the gate and I've gone inside and I've kept watching. It was moving very, very slowly and seemed to be getting smaller. It was hard to see. I've whooped out my phone and I've taken the first couple of videos And then I've gone upstairs and watched it disappear over the the tree line. And at this point, I was perplexed because it really didn't look like a plane or anything else that I'd seen, but I didn't really know what it was. So I looked down for no more than a minute um, and sent those a video or photo or something to my sister. And I was saying, oh, you know, I don't know what this is, my sister. You know, what am I seeing in the sky? And I've looked back up after that minute and I've seen it again, but this time it's either much closer or much larger Hmm. and further to the right above the tree line. And in my exclamation, I've pulled out my phone again and started filming and I'm talking in the videos to my sister saying, oh, it's come back. What the heck is this? This time I could see it much more clearly. It was bright white. It was oblong in shape you could possibly call it a cigar but it looked like it was made of some form of plasma almost Mm -hmm. it pulsed with what looked to me a very water-like motion kind of jellyfish like Mm -hmm. also flame-like kind of erratic and especially at the the tips you could almost see discharges of energy coming off You can kind of see that in the video, but obviously by eye, it was a lot easier to see. Mm -hmm. And uh, looking at this thing, and it's holding a perfect 45-degree angle, and kind of, again, my brain is trying to tell me it's a plane, you know, like banking towards me or something, you know, and it's going to turn, but it didn't. 
and it's just sort of very slowly drifted away and to the left, holding that 45 degree angle the entire time, pulsing, kind of alive looking, but unlike any animal I've really seen, I don't even know if I, I don't know what this would be, but it definitely gave an alive feeling. If it was a craft of some kind, it was definitely a biological craft of some kind. Like it, it was, it was very strange. And I wigged out and I, I sent those videos to my sister and I started telling anybody that I met and I saw this weird thing and made them watch these videos and no one seemed to be all that excited. And I was here just thinking, holy moly. Like, right. <laughs> so what, what was happening? And uh, for the past, since then, this was in April this year, 20th of April this year, 2022, I've been looking at footage of planes and drones and atmospheric phenomena and high grazing comets. I looked up to see if there was any like comets passing or any, I don't know, maybe there was like a really low space station. I don't know. I, I was Googling my heart out and I can't find anything that looks like this except for those weird jellyfish in the sky. Mm. That's my story. Amazing. And if I'm not mistaken, your father had seen the same thing years before, correct? Yes. So I spoke to my dad and I showed him the videos and he said, cause he uh, grew up in Sydney when he was a teenager sort of thing, but he's originally from England and he used to go camping out the back like of Lisgo and stuff over the blue mountains, which is sort of in between where I am and where the base of the mountains start sort of thing and up over the mountains behind Sydney. And he said that he's seen this thing probably up to a dozen times sort of thing over the years when he was camping, but very, very high up in the sky. And he said he always saw it at nighttime and it looked like a star, but like a really elongated star. Hmm. And he said occasionally it would seem to like move, but not fast and radically, just sort of like twisting and changing that angle that it's holding. Well, that's pretty interesting that you both happen to have an encounter. What? Yeah, he's, he's had several sort of things. Yeah, I was going to say, he's had a couple. Right, yeah. Isn't that amazing? Yeah. I knew you were going to be excited for this one. Kinda she was messaging me. Yeah, no, this is awesome. A lot more detail, yeah. Cause she, I had no detail. I saw the video, and yeah, it it, it looks really good. And <clears throat> not a whole, I mean, it's, it's not a whole lot of detail you can see up close, but you can definitely see the object and the shape there. But just to see it in person, like the videos never do what your eyes – do like in person it's just never does it quite justice yeah. but, so i understand like seeing so much more extra detail in person yeah a couple questions yeah before. and oh, i think also you go ahead. sorry i was just gonna say because it was on a mobile phone as well it was a google pixel 4 mm. so it was a decent phone but the sunset was behind it sort of thing and it was so bright so you know like I, I have a pretty good camera, but it's still not good enough to deal with that kind of light sort of thing. So I definitely got a lot. It looked a lot crisper by eye. Oh, yeah. In the video, it is obviously blurrier. But, um, but you can see in the video the, the pulsing off the edges that I mean. And, and yeah. in the video a lot of the time, I, I'd, I'd managed to keep it fairly still because I had it pressed up against my window screen, which mm. is why 
it, at times you can kind of see me trying to find a hole in my window screen to uh, <laughs> film through. But, <laughs> um, but so most of the movement that you see, kind of how it sort of pulses outwards and elongates slightly, and then and then gathers back together, and little wisps come out of the ends. Wow, that was a lot more crisp to my eye, and I wouldn't call it like flames, if you know what I mean. Mm-hmm. It was a very like plasma, like charged ions coming off some plasma disc yeah i don't even know moving like kind of like a jellyfish yeah (laughs) it definitely is moving like an organic creature uh when you sent me the videos that it really reminded me of kind of like a whale going by real real slow which is a common thing for this type of creature right yeah uh there's kind of reminded me of a whale shark actually if you crossed a whale shark like a manta ray and then smooshed it into like a an oblong shape. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's a hundred percent like what. That's why. It, so it, this goes into there's one part of the video, uh, and for everybody at home, when we publish this episode, I'll take the frame out so you can see it, where it looks like the creature is kind of turning on its side a little more, and you can see it kind yeah. of looks like a diamond shaped. So what I'm imagining is those are actually the fins showing itself off. Uh, well, not the fins, the side, the side flaps, but we call them fins on the, for anatomy purposes. Mm-hmm. Uh, for the classic manta ray shaped flying UFO, and these, when I say manta ray, it's not like a manta ray as in the actual animal. It kind of has that body plan, but it's stretched out more. It's not like that straight, you know, stingray shape. It's more like you took a, a manta ray and pulled it and stretched it out more like a cigar, but still the fins. Yeah, the fins would have been like if it if it were because I I wouldn't say I, I saw fins by eye. So if it was, the fins would have been sort of uh, coming straight at me. If you know what I mean. Yep, mm-hmm. I think um, it was for the most of the video. But at times it did appear to yeah, sort of like bank. It it held roughly a forty five degree angle most of the time, but it would sort of tilt and sway very slowly, and. But it was it was obviously heavy enough to not really be affected by like wind or anything like that. Yeah. What was also cool I forgot to mention actually is that when I first got home and saw this thing, um, there's a stunt plane guy that practices over the top of my property all the time. He does all sorts of crazy stunts, all loop the loops, and oh, cool. he'll he'll fly really fast up and then like sort of stall the engine and then like pretend to fall and then turn it back on. Mm-hmm. It's crazy, and I watch him all the time. Also, I'm near an airport that's being built. Right on my back fence, right where you see that thing flying over is where a brand new air- airport's being built, right? Mm. And um, so I, I kind of know what planes look like. And at right. the time when I first saw that thing over on the left when I came up to the gate, the stunt guy was actually flying. And I've been tempted to somehow try to track this guy down because he was pointing in the direction when I first saw it. You know, like flying, and and I'm just kind of half tempted to try to track this bloke down and ask, "Hey, like, did you see a big thing in the sky when you were practicing on April 20th?" Well, if he but, did, uh, you got to remember. So. I'm sure if you keep, if there's a will, there's a way. You will find his number, his contact. I'll just manifest. So maybe we'll just run into each other at the the grocery store. Exactly. Exactly. So, <laughs> this is amazing. Thank you again. I already have notes to talk about with you. Yeah, I have questions too. Nice. Uh, so it's really cool because I'm assuming you didn't do a whole lot of deep dive into this man, the manta ray type living UFO, but you hit a lot of no, these I, markers I, with I, it. 
Yeah, I just heard it, you guys talking about it. You guys were the first people I really heard speaking about, like, kind of living UFOs and, like, what if these could possibly be some sort of weird organic creature mm. or some or semi-organic thing. Because, like I said, it may not have even been a full creature. might have been... I don't know. I don't know how to well, describe this thing. Sorry, I, continue asking. I liked what you said earlier, though, how it, if it was a ship, it would be like an organic ship, which is an interesting thought. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. It's the moving like plasma. So we are under the belief that if these creatures are a part of our biosphere, so actually earthbound creatures are from here, just they've had a long time to develop into these amazingly unique shapes in the upper atmosphere. Uh, they would most likely be mostly gas-filled. So imagine if you had a jellyfish-type texture that was filled with gas. You'd get that quivering effect of the skin. Uh, it's like a half-inflated balloon in the, op- in the, you know, in the wind. So you'd get quivers over the skin. And so fish's swim bladders, they can produce and discharge gas extremely fast to create buoyancy and to become negatively buoyant. So it's kind of like that, but on steroids, where you can... You know, well, you can kind of deflate yourself to dive down in the lower atmosphere to feed, and then when it's time to go up, you just keep making more gas. But that's one of the really cool things is the bioluminescence or that light you've seen and your dad's seen. Yeah. uh, The man rays have been reported even in Australia, so I don't know. We haven't talked about this on the show, but I have them saved for future episodes. I may, uh, at the end of this, tag in a a story post-recording from another Australian story we have. Uh, with this giant headlight. And these creatures have a bioluminescent, one of the big bioluminescent organs right in the front of their face, or what we'd assume is their face, you know, with classic anatomy. Uh, and I yeah, I think that's what you were seeing with that really bright light coming at you. And then, of course, your dad's seeing probably the whole so creature bright. lit up. What'd you say? I'm sorry. And it, was, it, it was so bright. And I almost got the impression that um, it it was not only glowing, but perhaps allowing light to pass through it and refract Refract or something like that. Because the angle of the light wouldn't have been, if it, for example, if it was a plane, the angle of light wouldn't have been reflecting so much back at me that it obscured the shape of a plane, if you know what I mean, because it was so bright. Um, So I, and then I also thought, but it was a very bright sunset, as you can see in the video, like there's still quite a bit Mm -hmm. of light in the sky. So, I don't know if only bioluminescence would be able to do that also. It's almost as if, like, you know how some organisms have, uh, like, silica mm-hmm. plates and it's yeah. kind of opalescent or they reflect light, almost like it was working something like that and just bursting with light. It was incredibly bright. So that would be amazing too, uh, like uh, the whole creature refracting light and that could be the, the kind of the discharge point. Uh, but that, like you're saying, that would be amazing camouflage, especially in the open upper atmosphere. Uh, we talk about that a lot. That well, it's, oh, sorry. I just had a, a brain thought just on the spot now. Yeah. But um, thinking about space travel and they like they make light sails and they can, um, you know, shoot light at these light sails and make very very light rafts travel through space. Mm-hmm. Can you imagine if? they had developed a mechanism to refract light within their bodies where they were actually propelling themselves with light. Yeah, that, you're taking our job. Right? Yeah, that's, so, a, like, that's a really like, great thought. That is super, a very... super, so light, and their bodies are so, you know, practically ether, you know, yeah. so to speak. 
that they were able to propel themselves with light and they could contract the surfaces that were that were moving the light around mm-hmm. to move to and that's why they move so subtly and so slowly because you got to be careful that you don't put your mirrors too far otherwise you flip over or something I don't know. <laughs> that's amazing that is an incredible idea that really is because that would make i mean that's so into rocks so no, <laughs> no that's, that's okay. bi- but it's biologically sound yeah and it's low low energy but yes so mm-hmm. that's what we talk about these creatures have to have mostly low energy functions just because the even filter feeders do that. that's why uh, we talk about in the show but let's say whales and whale sharks get so big is to travel distances with losing with using less energy because they t- have such long periods of time where they're not eating uh so yeah you need to be really efficient if you're a filter feeder. And if you've had a many, many, many years to develop oh, yeah. or adapt to an ecosystem. This is amazing. Yeah. Uh, but, yeah, so you got the bioluminescence. Uh, I'm not familiar very much with Australian geology, but are there any mountain ranges near you guys in this area? Uh, yeah, so um, the way – so I'm trying to, like, imagine uh, which way I'm – I'm pretty sure – yeah, yeah. So the way you're facing it was west, directly west. And if you were to continue a straight light, essentially from my back door onwards, west, you would hit the Blue Mountains. Mm-hmm. I do know it's those. very cool. It's got all sorts of uh, sandstone through it and some granite. Uh, but directly behind me would be a lot of like sandstone country and stuff like that. There is a lot of fossicking uh, quartz and stuff like that all up through those mountains. But yeah, a lot of mountainous ranges there's all sorts of stories that come out of the blue mountains how far would and you if say you continue further west, oh sorry continue sorry uh how far would you say the blue uh, the blue mountains are from you or where this look or the sighting took place uh in a in a straight line if you were to drive yeah. sort of thing um you hit the foothills in about 45 minutes or something oh, okay. you'd really be like, in the mountains yeah, yeah so like fairly close sort of thing not I can't really like see them over my tree line sort of thing, but they're not very far away. And the Blue Mountains is where your dad used to camp and see this, right? Yeah, yeah. All up uh, at a place called Lisco. He used to do a lot of camping all up through there. Um, mm. There's heaps of really beautiful places to camp out there, all sorts of cave systems and stuff like that. And uh, there's also a place a little bit further out the back called the Pilliga, Um and it's got a lot of tales in it as well of Yowie and all of the, those Yowie. cool things. That's awesome. That's amazing. So you don't know this because this hasn't come out on our show yet at least. Uh, but manta rays, the manta ray-shaped UFO. I keep saying the manta rays because uh, that's just kind of what we call them. It's the group we put them in. They are often only seen in areas that have mountains. And this is really amazing. And we kind of think we have a theory, the reasoning for that. So – the most uh, upcharge of earthbound nutrients into the upper atmosphere is around mountain ranges. So basically you have these pillars of nutrients that are go- being pushed up. So if you're a filter feeder, you hang around where the food is coming into your mouth. You don't have to move. You don't have to work. You literally hang in these areas where there's these giant updrafts of food being pushed into your face. So that's kind of that's oh, amazing. Uh, I was like, I wonder if there's mountains close by. Not saying all these sightings of these manta rays are by mountains, but when we have these constant sightings like you have and your dad's had, it's almost always around mountain ranges. Mm -hmm. From South America to Australia to the U.S., uh, both the Rockies and the Smokies here in the U.S., that's kind of our two really big mountain systems, have manta rays, a lot of them. 
and then the middle of the country is pretty bare for these sightings. Um, but you get down by the Ozarks, which is another mountain range, like Louisiana and Arkansas. There's a lot there, too. Mm-hmm. And so it's just kind of weird that and I, we, we, that's what we feel. It's this nutrient uppour that is just uh, attracting these creatures. It's like there's not very many whales in the open ocean, but when you get these big piles of food, you know you're going to have a lot of whales hanging out. Yeah. Now make the whale translucent. Mm-hmm. It gets a lot harder to find. Uh, so that's... That's amazing. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. I do have another thing that interested me that you guys were talking about was were like fungi and stuff like that. Mm. That's another thing that I actually considered that these things could be. And it maybe even more specifically, it could be some sort of really crazy lichen, um, you know, which are actually just like fungis that have learned to farm algae and then created like their own perfect little ecosystem essentially. And so this could be some super, super advanced version of mm-hmm. an algae or a, of, a, of a lichen rather or a fungus that is also, you know, because that would also make sense if it was able to use like prisms in it, within its body to refract light. It would be able to like refract light right where its little algae farms are and feed its little algae farms, dip down by a mountain whenever it needed a drink and some mm-hmm. extra stuff, you know, yeah. go back up, farm in its algae just do its thing you say all the right words <laughs> yeah. it's amazing yeah because uh, yeah it really could be and so we talk about it all the time 800 <laughs> so if you want to believe conventional uh carbon dating or fossil dating 810 million years ago uh, that's about 400 million years before most other complex life formed but 810 million years ago we have mycelia network fossils uh super complex mycelia network fossils so that's saying that fungi were already hyper advanced before anything else was more than slime. Uh, so they've had a long time to take all kinds of shape. And you know, we've talked. You heard the episode. We talked about Bob. Uh, the biggest thing ever is a fungi, but they are on every continent, including Antarctica. They live in the ice. There's actual fungal species that live through the ice columns. Uh, they are all in thermal vents, and they are in the upper atmosphere. We actually have dozens of species we found so far in the upper atmosphere, so they're there. So they've had the time, and they have the or they had the genetic ability to do this stuff. Uh, they've survived every mass extinction with little to no effect, as far as we can tell from the fossil record. Mm-hmm. They kind of just don't care. I mean, the ones that got hit by the asteroid cared, yeah, <laughs> but the ones hundred miles away really didn't. <laughs> Uh, so yeah, it really could be. And then you're saying with like the refraction of light, we have so in the bioluminescence, some of the brightest bioluminescence on the ground or on the surface is from fungi. And we yeah. don't know why they produce bioluminescence. That's kind of the weird thing is for a creature that doesn't have eyes or not a creature, a, a fungus, but I call them creatures for, doesn't have eyes and doesn't seemingly have intelligence by conventional science. They produce bioluminescence. They seem to communicate. They have all these extra things. It's just like we just were on another show. It'll come out before this episode. 
where we talked about it, where they seem to be at least some form of sentient, some fungi. They think, they talk to each other, they control plants. So if anybody's going to be these giant upper atmospheric creatures, it's going to be a fungus. Mm-hmm. Uh, just Absolutely. And then with you seeing it, it basically look like it's inhaling and, and discharging particles and stuff like that. Uh, so any creature that's filter feeding, which could still be a fungi or a jellyfish or, you know, whatever. A lot of these creatures are pushing through uh, automatically. It's hard to tell with whale sharks and basking sharks because they're pushing through the backside of their gills. So it's not like this big, long, drawn-out system. Whales are pushing out to the side of their mouth. But there are some more uh, developed filter feeders in the up, in the open ocean, like, uh, well, some species of cone jelly and stuff like that that are pushing all the way through their body to feed. And that's kind of what that remotion reminded me of, is that they're taking what they want, and you're seeing the, uh, the energy you know discharge of whatever they're feeding on. And it could be nutrients. It could be you know something we can't even ID yet. Mm. Very well, mm-hmm. yeah. That does make sense because if you think sort of on, on the, a microscopic scale and you think about certain organisms and they eat fire sort of just absorbing things through their shell and then it's greeting mm-hmm. the waste, mm-hmm. it could work on a very similar level to that kind of thing where it's just sort of like not even really sucking it in one end, but yeah, sort of just phasing through stuff. And as it moves, you know, things just become part of it. It digests it and then it just leaves it behind in its weight kind of thing. Hmm. Yeah, very much so. I mean, uh, trying to think like, you ever seen like white blood cells and stuff under microscopes? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, that's what they do. Uh, But now you're talking about one that's more aerodynamic. And when we were talking, me and you, Ash, uh, like the plasma rippling, how you were kind of explaining it to me, that really just sounded like an organic creature being manipulated by air. But you know, this is probably a really stretched out membrane over gas-filled sacs and digesting mm-hmm. organs or organelles. You know, we want to go. It's that simple to be organelles, right? Yeah, but it could be. Uh, so our biggest single-celled organism that we've ever found, and it was a fossil, so it's very rare to find a really soft-bodied creature. As a fossil, but I believe it was about the size of a quarter. So before that, we didn't think they could ever be single-celled organisms. We didn't think they could ever be bigger than microscopic. And we have fossil evidence that suggests, and that was a really old fossil. I can't even think of I don't know that number off the top of my head. Is that just because things were bigger in the past? That or they were still competing then. Mm, okay. You know, single-celled organisms don't compete in the macroverse very well unless you get into an environment that doesn't have a lot of competition, mm-hmm. maybe like the upper atmosphere. Mm. But they were one of the first things on land until other stuff came on land, and then they didn't do well. Gotcha. Interesting. I don't know, Ash. This is amazing. I do. Yeah. Oh, my brain's going on all sorts of tangents <laughs> now. So Just say whatever dear. you'd like, because this has been a great conversation so far. You have amazing ideas. And you're the actually one that's seen it. Oh. <laughs> Oh, this! Uh, I'm going into like way crazy speculation. Like we like that now. Yeah. My brain's just my brain's just but just making videos now. But I I started imagining sort of because we 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 started talking about macro and micro scales. My brain started thinking sort of about really big things and really small things and kind of like uh, about how this thing almost seemed to be yeah like phasing as it moved along. It was really strange in the way that it moved. And I thought, well, can you imagine if sort of the the universe was very, very fractal. And at times when dimensions kind of overlapped, 
imagine if what we were actually seeing was a single-celled organism from another dimension mm-hmm. sort of partially in our universe and it actually is just a single cell taking in nutrients and then spitting it out the back end and it's sort of half in our dimension for a little while and I just managed to, you know, it, we're glimpse. totally off with the other and it's actually just a single cell from a crazy another universe that's on a whole other fractal scale and it's massive and to us it looks like the size of a bus but it's just a single cell or something. That's the tangent my brain just went on. <laughs> I mean, that's not it's inaccurate. Not, yeah, exactly. I mean, that's what a, a lot of these creatures, specifically these more jelly-like ones, uh, or they look like they're made of uh, well, made of jelly. They seem to act more like single-celled organisms or very simple organisms. Uh, you know, there's actually jellyfish seen in the upper atmosphere. A lot of them. We're doing a whole another episode in a couple months on it. We pulled some stories for that. Uh, including uh, the Chinese military getting in a fight with one. It did not go good for the jellyfish. Uh, they're very soft. Oh, oh. What'd you say? I said, holy moly, you'll have to show me that one. <laughs> oh, yeah. Uh, yeah, they did not go good for the jellyfish. They uh, they popped it. <laughs> oh, but another weird thing is you, you have an airport in your backyard. That's one thing I did not know before we started this episode. But me and Jay are w- working on this organic UFO stuff a lot currently. And there's kind of a weird other tie-in, like the mountains, with airports. I don't know what it is about them in airports. Uh, well, the, we, the sky stinks of India, they're almost exclusively seen yeah. on the airports. And they do not like, they chase planes and stuff like that. They're kind of, they kind of give an aggressive vibe, more like a predator. Uh, but like a lot of these manta rays are seen around airports or around bases. Um I don't know if they just like the planes or whether they think it's another one of them. Yeah, if the like, activity draws them in, yeah. maybe. Well, it's like another creature's flying. You know, is that one of my kin? Right, yeah. Or is it a prey animal or, you know. Something new in the area. Yeah, and it's just, it could be a curiosity thing. So we talk about whales. So I love whales, but whale biology. Humpback whales, adults, are very curious animals. Uh, they got out of the prey cycle very early. Um, Megalodon's sure we're still eating them, but they that's why they develop really strong family units. Uh, so they were kind of a harder whale to target because there were so many of them in these giant pods that it would, you know, it's a lot harder to pick one off. So they kind of got really curious because they weren't scared of anything. So imagine if you're this giant, giant. I mean, how big do you think yours was? It was it was so hard to tell because I, I didn't have anything to base it off, sort of thing. I've actually tried to figure out and like sort of triangulate where I was sitting to where um, the the tree line fell and sort of guess like roughly, but I, I, it would have to be at least the size of a bus sort of thing. Like mm-hmm. mid, absolutely, mid, but probably much, much larger. It gave me the impression that it was, it was very large and further in the distance. It wasn't hovering right above my tree line. It was quite far back, maybe even a kilometre back. You know, this thing could have been three or four buses long and two or three tall or something. Yeah. So that's the kind of the hard thing with judging these creatures. Uh, some of the pictures and videos we get, it's just because there's no comparison in the sky. So if it's, mm. you know, if it's three mile or three kilometers away, you know, it's probably 200 feet long. Right. If it's half a kilometer away, you know, it's probably that bus size you're talking about. Uh, so I think what you're saying probably somewhere in the middle would probably be really accurate because it's large. You can definitely tell that oh, yeah. with the way it's moving. It's, it's large, and there's yeah. some. There's definitely mass there. 
Uh, but what I was saying with the whale thing, when it being big, is when you get big, most things stop eating you. So you either you just kind of get curious because you don't care anymore. Like African elephants, they got really big, and there was not many things even in the uh, last ice age that could really mess with a family of African elephants. So they that's why they got really intelligent. They got really curious. Uh, even some of the other pa- early pachyderms, we don't think were nearly as intelligent as African elephants because they were still being eaten. So they're still more worried. They're focusing more on that mentally. So you have these giant creatures that have evolved out of their own food system, their own ecosystem, their own food chain. They may be really curious, and that may be why they like airports. I really don't know, but they do like airports. There's definitely... Yeah, it seems to be. We've, we've run into that connection way too many times to not be something. You know, three times is a coincidence. A hundred times is a, is a connection. A happening. Yeah, because we have probably <laughs> three or four hundred of these stories we've kind of put together. And I'll bet you 25% of them have an airport involved or nearby. And then the rest, uh, most of my, uh, most of these bigger guys have the mountain ranges nearby. Oh, yeah. Uh, the other thing with the mountain range, again, I left out, is the uh, uphill, the upheaval to the upper atmosphere that they produce. Uh, they basically create an elevator or an escalator back up to the upper atmosphere for these creatures, where I think they live most of their life. Uh, so whenever he or she's done feeding, he's got to fly over to the Blue Mountains, get on this air escalator, and go back up for little to no energy. I can see that happening. At the moment, it's not an active airport. It's still in construction, but there is definitely uh, there's an airport over in the city, and mm. there's uh, like there's lines that run like sort of along the mountains. Plus, that stunt guy who's always doing yeah. all of his crazy stuff. The stunt um, guy. You still got to track him down. <laughs> he probably will tell you yeah. he's been playing with that thing for the last forty years. You should you should just make like a big uh you know write out a big sign in your backyard in stones or something. Just to draw his attention in. Have you seen the sky, Jelly? That's a great idea, actually, because I I just have lots of grass in in the big back part of my backyard, so I could just get the mower and I'll just mow into the grass. Yeah, just like call. If if you've seen the Jelly, call. (laughs) (laughs) Right. Interested to talk. You'll probably get the Jelly in your yard. Yeah, it'd be a crop circle show up. Now, yeah, it's it, this is seriously, guys, I cannot wait at home. I cannot wait to show you these videos after this episode comes out because this is probably the best evidence there is for these creatures' existence. Uh, and I still fully believe they are of this earth. I think they're just really undocumented upper atmospheric organics. Uh, so, Ash, we, we kind of went through it, and we kind of think they are hanging out between the 25 and – so this is miles. I'm, I'm sorry. I'm really bad at kilometers. This is between 25 and 45 miles up in the between the stratosphere and the mesosphere in the upper atmosphere is where I think they mostly hang out. And the reasons for this is it's warm in that little section, and there's a lot of liquid and gas water. So out of the whole upper atmosphere, once you get outside of the troposphere, which is what we live in, it's probably the only other place where there's a lot of water and it's warm. So I think these creatures aren't being seen a whole lot because... Think of when they come down here, like uh, sperm whales diving into the deep ocean to feed. They don't live down there. They don't hang out down there, you know, for long periods of time. But that's where they eat. So that could be what we're why you're seeing this these creatures in the repeated areas because it's a good feeding area. But they're actually living, you know, twenty five, thirty miles above your head. And every once in a while, they dive down to feed and get warm, and then they go back up. 
That's why really what I think is happening. I think you got extremely lucky because this is you've seen it for a while, like a couple minutes at least, mm-hmm. and got clear footage. Well, I saw it for twenty minutes all up. Oh my god! And I think I. If if it was probably more than twenty minutes, like I can actually send you the timestamps. I actually wrote it down somewhere, but I'll, I'll figure it out again, sort of, because I, from the moment I took the first video, sort of thing, which was a couple of minutes after I I got to the gate, to the last video. I think it was all up about twenty twenty five minutes, sort of thing. And mm-hmm. I'm pretty sure it must have been. I either saw the same thing twice, or it would have been two of them, because the first one that I saw, I watched it disappeared and it was moving so slow i watched it disappear over the tree line to the far left i looked down again for no more than a minute than it takes to open snapchat and send a video you know and then i looked back up and then it was way way closer further to the right way more crisp and stuff like that so whether or not it was another one trailing behind or it somehow was able to move very very fast and sort of come back you know what i mean um I think it. Either way, it would have had to be either two or or have moved very fast. I wonder if it was two of them, because that would. I they do hang out together sometimes. You know, from some of our stories, two or three of them are seen together, kind of like like we talked about earlier with whale sharks and basking sharks. You know, there might be two or three of them in a line together. Uh, and so I kind of wonder. You know, we talk about convergent evolution that similar niches produce similar creatures in behavior and shape, even though they're not related at all. Whatever these things are, are probably not related to sharks hardly whatsoever. <laughs> I would imagine. I would imagine so, but who really knows? This world's crazy. Uh, these could be flying gelatinous sharks. That's a new take. <laughs> but going to your dad's story, uh, seeing the elongated living stars. So that's like the, uh, well, you know, the I, what I'm going to assume is bioluminescence because these creatures are reported to have extreme abilities with bioluminescence. But, you know, what did your dad think they were? Dad's not a man to make conclusions, but he mm. said, sorry, my cat just did a crazy jump. No, it's okay. We have dogs. But he essentially they... said that, yeah. yeah, dogs are awesome. Mine are <laughs> out barking if you can hear them. Sorry yeah. about that. No, it, uh, Doug's in the other room whining, so it's all good. <laughs> Excellent. But uh, Dad said, essentially, when he looked at the video, especially the more clear ones when I'm zooming in and you can you can really sort of see it, that sort of discish shape. He said that's what he saw, but very, very high up, like way, way up in the sky. It looked like a star, but like very stretched out. Like it was very obviously not just like a star shining bright. He said it looked like maybe a bit closer than the stars, but like to him it just looked like a very long stretched out star. Um, he he just says that he has no idea what he saw, but it, it wasn't a star <laughs> or mm-hmm. anything regular. Um, but he saw it a bunch of different times sort of thing, all in a similar area, um, probably over the course of 10 years or so. How many times do you think More. he's seen it? I know it's hard when you're talking about somebody else's story. He said at least a dozen times, wow. you know, like he, cause he camping so often he, him and his mates go out in the bush and, you know, do whatever they were doing. And he saw it a bunch of, throughout the years sort of thing. Um, he said at least a dozen times, a couple, like sometimes mm-hmm. with other people and other people had seen it. Other times he was camping solo and he'd just sort of look up and there'd be a, a star that was, yeah, very, just like it had been stretched out. We need to plan a camping trip just, in Australia. The Blue Mountains. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we just 
got a bunch of listeners in Australia and they want us to come. So maybe. I don't know. <laughs> that's a big that's a big country to kind of tour. Yeah, I know, right? That'd be cool to see one well, though. If you come to Australia, I can show you some awesome campsites and you're bound to see some strange things. <laughs> We're gonna die in Australia. <laughs> you know, I'm I'm bad with reptiles. I love reptiles and Australia's got a lot of amazing reptiles that are also venomous. Uh but I have a problem. I took venomous snake. Here's what we're famous for off topic stuff. Venomous snake handling in college and stuff like that. So I'm okay with venomous snakes. Like I don't normally like pick them up and stuff like that, but I love getting pictures. Yeah. So if they won't sit still, you know, here you go. Sit still. (laughs) But no, that's amazing. Maybe someday in the future, but we'd love that. Uh, But this is, this is truly amazing. And I love what you said. So I was getting the impression from watching the videos that it was translucent, and that's why it kind of, if you, uh, at home, when you see this video, you'll kind of see what I'm talking about, where it kind of looks like it disappears for a second, then reappears. I took that more as the creature is very translucent. So for a second, it just wasn't catching light or letting all the light pass through it, so you couldn't see it, and then when it turned a little bit, it would catch it. But the light refraction idea works very, really well with that, too, that it's just, you know, it's just actually, like, using kind of like a crystalline shape like you were talking about and transferring the light around it. And yeah. we talked about that. It's weird. We've talked about that with Bigfoot. Exactly, yeah. I was just going to say that. That's interesting that when you think about when when you mention uh, yeah, Bigfoot sort of using light to refract as well, actually. I thought of that. Um, I actually have a cat next to me, and I know that's a strange thing to say, but she has very, very interesting fur. Um I called her Coke because she's the color of Coke. If you put her in the shade, she's black. And if you put her in the sun, she's, you know, that sort of golden brown. Mm-hmm. But oh, she. Wrong kind of Coke I was of, thinking of. Uh, tense, and she can. Oh, no. no the, the other kind. <laughs> but uh, no. But she can sort of move and tense her fur in ways that she can either completely disappear into the dark or she can turn bright red. And it's it's very much to do with the angle at which her her fur sits when it's pointing at you. If it's very side on, Mm -hmm. then it can be either super, super black or super red, depending on Mm -hmm. the angle that she sits at. And so I actually looked really closely at her fur. And um, I think that it's because her fur is actually three different colours. At the very, very base, it's black. In the middle, it's got like a silver section, and then on the tips, it's got the red section. And it's almost like she can tense her muscles so subtly in certain ways that the hairs will point in the right directions and refract the light in the, in the, whatever way she wants to. So that if, if she was in the wild, she would be able to, you know, sort of appear more brown if she was up against a tree, for example, or if she wanted mm-hmm. to sort of back into a tree hollow and, and blend in with the dark, she could sort of, she puffs out her fur and she just disappears and she's a pair of eyes. That could happen with Bigfoot as well, you know, theoretically, they could have some sort of coloration difference in their fur and it's something to do with the hollow, hollow hair or whatever mm-hmm. that reflects light differently. And now they can just sort of, tents in a certain way and really blend into a tree yeah we far we, more than you think but she disappears we have stories of like these red sasquatch walking through open clearings getting into the shadows and then slowly turning black and disappearing and i think it's like you're describing they're actually using the muscles on their fur 
to kind of move and change yeah. and show a different color. Mm-hmm. Uh, so all of a sudden, like, this yeah. red oh, creature. Yeah. Yeah. This red creature you're watching turns black and disappears into the shadows. Even though it's not actually disappearing, your brain was just trained to look for something bright red. And now it's not bright red anymore. So your brain really has trouble finding it. You know, it, it's if it's black and it's in the shadows, it doesn't exist anymore in your brain. That's amazing. I got a weird question for you before we get back to the living UFOs, as we got on Bigfoot. Do you think the Yowie and Bigfoot are the same creature or cousins or what? Um, I think they must be in the same way, you know, like all humans are cousins and we're, yep. we're all come from you know, the same lineages and stuff like that, you know? So I'd say, I'd say so. But that being said, our, our legends are quite different than than the Bigfoot legends. And we we actually have legends of three different kinds, depending on, because we have so many different cultures all throughout, so many different languages. Everyone has, you know, their own their own lore. Mm-hmm. And there's actually stories of a very small, uh, a tall and a very, very tall one. Um, and they have different names depending on where you're from sort of thing. Um, I can't remember the name of the very small and the very tall one, unfortunately. There, there's a colloquial name which I personally don't like, but they call they, it's called a spring jack for the small one. I think that's the name that the settlers gave hmm. to to to. Us. I don't really like to use it personally. Um, then there's the Yowie, which are kind of the middle guys. They're still very tall though, you know, six, seven, eight. More classic. But then there's a very very tall one, um, which can apparently get up to you know like twelve foot or something like that. Hmm. Um, there are tales of those ones up north, I think. Um, don't hold me to that. But, yeah, so they look very different as well when when people draw pictures of the ones in, over in America versus the ones that we have here. Um, in, in the same way that some people say they kind of reflect the native peoples of America somewhat in their looks. Mm-hmm. It's the same way in Australia, I think, when you, kind, when you look at the pictures some, somewhat in their in their features, they, they reflect the natives. And then other times they look totally different. But I think our, our creatures look different to yours, the right. way that people draw them anyway. They, they look like they would be different genetically, but but definitely still related in the same. Yeah, like I think they've just isolated on Australia like, like our Aboriginals for a long time, yeah. And they just evolved really differently like everything else did here. You know, so it's kind of crazy because we kind of have the same three. We have these things that people have been calling puck wedgies and other names throughout the U.S. of these tiny little hairy creatures. Uh, by tiny, I mean max, like four foot tall. Yeah. Uh, but there are stories mm-hmm. of baby Bigfoot, and baby Bigfoot are like really thin. These puck wedgies, though, are kind of chunky. They're, they're thick. Yeah, they're <laughs> thick little boys. Um, and then, you know, you have a classic Bigfoot that, you know, six to eight foot tall, kind of, you know, you're, you're very classic, like human kind of covered in hair, you know, but muscular, but we have these things. We, I, what episode we talk about the mountain Kings, the mountain Kings. Yeah. Ooh, that was an earlier one or kind of first season one, I believe. So in mountain ranges here in the U S there are some stories of Sasquatch light creatures that are almost more like trolls, but they get, you know, 12 to 14 to 15 feet tall. Uh, and there's a lot of stories of like Bigfoot harassing people, and then they hear a roar from up top the mountain, and then it stops. And then everything stops. Whatever that thing is that lives on the top, when it says the fun and games are over, the fun and games are over. Uh, famous Bigfoot researcher here in the states, Tom Shea, uh, 
they call him Goliath. Well, they call their big guy in their area Goliath. And they have several recordings of like these Bigfoot harassed him, whooping all around him, stuff like that. And you just hear this loud, like a half mile, mile away on the top of the mountain. And everything stops at night. Everything. I mean, even coyotes and stuff like that. So it's kind of weird. I don't know if it's like the last state, like it's a hard stage for a Bigfoot to get to in their life cycle of these, like what we call mountain kings, because they run everything in, uh, Right, Tom Shane and a couple others were talking about the Mountain Kings, that they don't really belong to maybe one or two of the families. They actually run like the whole area. Hmm. So it may be a really hard life stage for a Sasquatch to get to, uh, where they just kind of they move away from one family group and run a whole area and kind of keep it civil. But that's kind of cool. That I didn't know that about. I knew Australia had two types. I didn't know they had three. So that's really neat. Right. Yeah. Yeah, I've heard I've heard stories of all three types, but um, it depends, you know, sort of which which culture and what language you're talking. You know, they have all sorts of different names for them and stuff like that. Yeah. Mm. I was told about about the hairy men. That's what they were called from where I'm from, sort of thing. I'm I'm from I was born a, a little bit further north, about six hours north of Sydney, and um, I used to spend a lot of time with the Aboriginal people there and I'm lucky enough to have a godfather who's Aboriginal and he told me a lot of awesome stories and I used to run around and when the sun started setting that was my warning you know like don't go back in the bush now that the sun is setting because the hairy the hairy men might be there and Hmm. that was the that was just kind of normal that's really awesome though one of my favorite documentaries I used to always just rewatch on YouTube was the Aboriginal documentary it's just very interesting stuff I mean, the oldest written language. That's just very unique. The oldest language on the planet that's recorded is the Aborigines with their uh, cave language, the cave painting language. Where then by that I mean it's very where somebody from the current from that culture can still read it. I think it's forty one thousand years, something like that. Hmm, that's pretty old. Where because the Aborigines has such a long history. I mean, and they did they were really good documenters. Uh, I don't think they get enough credit because, I mean, we we know what kind of, uh, what, there was the, uh, oh gosh, the giant marsupial that looked more like a cow. They had a drawing of it and they talked about it before they found fossil evidence of it. Hmm. And they drew it like uh, we think it uh, you know anatomically looked and stuff like that because they seen it and they just kept that history forever. I don't know. I just think it's amazing. Australia is an amazing country, continent, place. Yeah. It's a lot of long history. A lot of history, yeah. A lot of monsters, too, including flying jellyfish. Yes. <laughs> Add it to the list. This has been a this Currently has been amazing. Sorry. Anything else to add about the your your encounter? Because it was truly amazing. Um only that I encourage everyone to watch all of the, the videos that these guys release. Um and to keep in mind that in any video that it looks further away, that was the first time I saw it. In any video that looks obviously closer and you can really clearly see that slanted oblong shape, that's the second time that it came back. And um, I don't know. Keep looking up, everybody. Exactly. Yep. Well, Ash, we want to thank you for your time. This has been truly amazing. We are Once again, we are very honored you chose us to share this with. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is very near and dear to our hearts. Uh, as far as I know, we're one of the few people that are actively doing research and talking about these creatures. 
and it is just truly an honor to have a firsthand account shared with us. Mm-hmm. So we want to thank you again. Yeah, thank you very much. No problem. If you guys have any more questions, just let me know and keep up the good work. Thank you. Well, thank you very much. All right. So before we go here in a second, we have a, you know, you know, we have a famous thing where we'll all say bye together on the count of three. We do it as loud as you can without blowing out your speaker on your phone. Uh, So if you're ready, we'll do that. Sounds good to me. All right. Three, two, one. Bye. Bye. Thank you for listening to Crips of the Corn podcast. Please share with a friend you think would like us. It's the best way to help our show grow. Leave a comment, rate us, a five-star review. And remember, there's always extra content on Patreon slash CryptoTheCorn.com. And don't forget, stay magical. Get ahead of postage rate increases this year with Stamps.com. It's like your own personal post office. Sign up with promo code PROGRAM for a four-week trial plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com code PROGRAM. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate megastores led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill.